Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if... What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org slash wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. Last week we released our 50th wartime diary. This week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained, So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. It was 19 years ago, and I still remember those those words that I start to, to repeat to myself. I'm a kidnapped person. And yet 19 years later, you decided to go back there? Oh yeah, two weeks ago. I went there as a, a journalist, an Israeli journalist. The seconds before I went with the soldiers to Gaza, I felt a pain in my stomach. And I asked myself, what the hell you are doing to yourself? Why, why do you need to go back to Gaza? Hey listeners, it's Mishi. So as you know, during these incredibly difficult days... We're trying to bring you voices we're hearing among and around us. These aren't stories, they're just quick conversations, or postcards really, that try to capture slivers of life right now. Since the start of the military operation in Gaza, there have been hundreds, maybe thousands, of reports by journalists embedded with the IDF troops. But one eight-and-a-half-minute-long TV broadcast that aired on Khan, the Israeli Public Broadcasting Corporation, 
stood out from the rest. בחוץ חיילים עמדו במעגל הנחיות אחרונות לפני יציאה לעוד פעילות מבצעית מבחינתם עד שאין הפסקת אש אין הפסקת אש. In it, Riyad Ali, a 61-year-old Israeli Druze journalist from the town of Marar in the Galilee, accompanied some Golani Brigade soldiers operating in the Zaytun neighborhood of Gaza City. He spoke to a bunch of them, including one shy officer, Yusuf, who just so happened to also be a Druze. Hey, my name is Ahmed. How are you? Dalit al-Karmel. It was a pretty standard interview. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> what do you think about what's going on? It should have happened a long time ago. We have to erase Hamas, erase all of Gaza. But at some point, something kind of amazing happened. Unsatisfied, perhaps, with the officer's somewhat guarded answers, Riyad, the journalist, took the mic and launched into an on-air monologue. He spoke from the depths of his heart about the discrimination the Druze population faces. He said that the Declaration of Independence promised all Israeli citizens equal rights, irrespective of race, religion, or sex. But that despite the Druze's loyalty, despite the fact that they serve in the army, despite the fact that six Druze soldiers have been killed since the start of the war, they're still second-class citizens. That clip went viral. Riyadh's courage to speak up surprised and touched many Israelis, who are, these days, accustomed to hearing a much more patriotic tone on the news. But when he decided, on the spur of the moment, to go public with his more complex views, Riyadh wasn't only speaking as a member of the Druze minority. He was also speaking as a man who, 19 years ago, was himself kidnapped by Hamas in Gaza. Our producers Adina Karpuch and Mitch Ginsberg went to talk to him. My name is Riyad Ali. I'm a journalist. I work in the Israeli TV channel 11. I'm a Druze from the Druze community in Israel. We are a small community in Israel, about 120,000 people about 1.5% of the Israeli population. And here I am. I started to work as a journalist in 1995, just two weeks before Rabin was assassinated. Two hours after they announced that Rabin was killed, I was here in my house sitting, you know, following the news. And I noticed that I'm crying. 
And the question was why I'm crying about a prime minister who I was critical about him. I didn't hate him, you know, but I was seriously critical about him. And the answer was, it seems that inside me there is an Israeli who would like to came out of the closest. <laughs> the day after, I wrote my first uh, column about my grief of losing my prime minister. I started to work in CNN in 2002 as a producer, field producer. And my advantage was uh, my connection with the Palestinian people. I had a lot of good connections with the Palestinian Authority, with Hamas, with other you know parties there. And going to Gaza was the normal things that we did those days. It was the second Intifada, and we went there once a month at least. And that day, 27th of September 2004, we went to our office there in the ninth uh, floor. We finished our day work, and we went down to take a taxi to go to the hotel. Two, three minutes after we start to drive, the taxi stopped suddenly and someone, you know, approached the driver and asked, you know, who's Riyad Ali? And, you know, without thinking, I, you know, I said, I'm Riyad Ali, it's me. And few seconds after, the door next to me was opened and two armed people, you know, with the cover on their heads, they pushed me out of the car. They accused me of being an officer in the Israeli uh, secret services. They took me directly to car who actually blocked us. And they pushed me inside the car in between the front seat and the back seat. They took my phone, my, my, my cigarettes, and they start to drive very fast. You know, at the first moments I tried to, to say something that's it's wrong, I'm a journalist, I shouted. And the response was in, in a strong fist, you know, in, in between my shoulders. They pushed me down, and I still remember the smell of the carpet in the car. It's ugly smell. Till now, 19 years after, I still remember that smell. And suddenly the door of the car was opened and they took me to an apartment. And once we are inside the apartment, they placed me on a chair on the middle of a room. There was a black sack on my head. They tied my hands to the back of the chair. They also tied my legs. For almost 36 hours, I stayed there in the same position. And it was round-the-clock interrogation. Suddenly, they freed my hands. And for a few seconds, I felt comfortable. You know, the fact that I'm, I'm a little bit more free. And what happened next was that one of my kidnappers suddenly pushed a pistol, a gun, in my hands. And he asked me to use it. And I said, I, I don't know how to use it. It's impossible. You are you are an Israeli Secret Services officer. You, you you know how to use it. No, I 
I don't know. And he start to push it forward and I start to fight with him pushing it backward. And suddenly he took the, the gun from my hands. And there is a silence around me. And just try to imagine that. The sack is still on my head. I can't see anything. And I know there is a gun somewhere. I start to try to place where the gun is, you know. And without the ability to see, I try to use my nose to smell, my ears to hear where the gun is placed around me. And I remember myself calculating the time in between the shooting and the pain. Would it pain when they shoot? Would it hurt? How long it would take from the shooting to my death? I don't know, it was seconds, minutes, you know, but suddenly a burst of laughter around me, a loud laughter, you know. I started to cry. People who are armed from head to leg are using their strength around me and I can't do anything. But you know, the interrogation was the easy part. I forgive them that they hit me, humiliated me, that they threatened me. But there's one thing I will never, ever forgive them about doing that with me. One of my kidnappers, he start to quote from the Quran and he starts to ask me actually to convert my religion to Islam. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm tired. It was hot inside the room. And somehow I, 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 I said to myself, one of two things are going to happen right now. Or they already decided to kill me. And if they decided to kill me, I would like to die as a Druze. The other option that they are already decide to release me. And if they are going to release me, I would like to come back to my family as a Druze. I said to the guy who said next to me, Sir, can I ask you a favor? And he said, yes, of course. I said, if, if you want to kill me, would you allow me to die as a Druze? <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. I didn't see him. But he just left me. He just left me. And half an hour after, they came and they told me that I'm going to be released. Still, you know, the, the moment they tried to convert me to Islam is the moment that I would never allow myself to forget or to forgive. Because being a Druze, it's being me. They tried to, to, to take from inside me the things that actually identify me. You know, when I saw what happened in Israel in, in October 7th, it was actually the, the same thing. They didn't come to Israel to release Palestine. They came to destroy the Israeli spirit, the Jewish soul. They came to destroy the Israeli existence. That's why I feel very sad in those days because there is a connection between the, the way they tried to, to convert me to Islam and the way they behave in October 7th in Israel. I saw the military, you know, movie, 
the 47 minutes yeah. of, uh, I of saw the atrocities. That. I saw that movie and one of the, the pictures I saw is a girl about 14 years old killed without her underwear. The act, you know, wasn't there, but, but it was a, a girl. I'm... I have, I have a daughter. And just to think that they, they did such a thing with, with, with such, she's still a flower, untouched flower. My God. We're speaking almost two months into the war. There's still many, many Israeli hostages uh, in Gaza. Is there any word of advice if you could channel something to them? Is there anything? Just to be a believer that one day they will be released. You know, hope can, can help us continue breathe. Many people who are waiting for them here and they should do whatever they can just to come back alive and let their beloveds hold them. So Riyadh, you just returned for the first time since your kidnapping. It's been 19 years. What did you see? Hi, Khabri. Salut de bear. It was the Israeli puzzle around me. Israeli soldiers who came from Russia, Israeli soldiers who came from Ethiopia, Israeli soldiers who came from Morocco, and Idrus soldiers, you know, I, I, I sat next to him, asked him about, you know, the, the, the war and the patriotic, he feel that he's doing what needs to be done. And I asked him about, you know, being a Druze. If there is anger about, you know, what Israel, how the way Israel behaved that Druze. And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about politics here. And I respected his, his, his request. And I continued to my cameraman. I started to speak to the camera. And I told the Israeli people that here in the field in Gaza, he's a first-class citizen. But that in his village, his family, his brothers, sisters, his wife, they are a second-class citizen. And that this is the moment in which Israel should rethink and uh, promise this soldier once he comes back whether alive or dead, is coming back as a first-class citizen. Yusuf, you know, because we are not Jew, there is a difficulty of in living inside Israel in a Jewish state. You know, we are loyal to the Israeli state because we do believe that we we both are sort of minorities in the Middle East. The Druze community share the same memories like the Jewish people. We were persecuted by the Sunnis majority in the Middle East for many years. But despite what we do to the country, despite the fact that we are part of the country, despite that our youth right now are fighting side by side with the other Israeli soldier in Gaza to protect this country, 
the Israeli state always rejected us. They didn't behave with us as equal citizens. You can just look around in our villages and you can see the difference between Druze village and Jewish town. It's a huge gap. Everything around you says discrimination, infrastructures, education, health system. Everything around us in the Israeli Druze community is different from the Israeli Jewish communities. But my God, we are part of this, this place. מילות פתיחה לפני שיתחיל הברדק זה שיר שונה, זה שיר מסע, תחזיקו חזק ברגעים שלא תבינו, תבינו זה המשחק יא אחוי בית אם אלינו ג'יבט כמוס ערבי מעק וואו עצור, שו עצור, פיקה עמניח תאורוס הלא האדמה אחת עם שתי שפות יפות לאללה יש ערבית בביט זה די קליט הכל סבבה באו עיד אינו בחקיש שנחתי ללווה נקבה, תנו לה קצב לקחת יזיז את התחת ואת הגופי זה מבטיף המשובח כי יא חביבי שופים יש מקום בלב אז יש מקום בוואלה צפוף הגיע הזמן שנשנה פה פאזה לזם נודרוס לורד ג'ירנה פיוצו פירזה כי לא מבינים על אוטומט חאג'ז מן קלימאט וואט ווז 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 יעני פאטמאט ניסינו להשיג את השלום היה תפוס לחריב רבל כי מפעמים הם נפעם בסנוס נכון שלפעמים טיפה דחוס אם צפוף לך אתה מוזמן לטוס כי אם במקום ברלין בחרנו באלקוס בוא נחליף את תפתחי שוב רק באלקוס נכון שלפעמים טיפה דחוס שנאה ופחד מגבירים את המנחוס אבל אם נבין נראה עד לא הכל ערוץ השפה של השכן היא רק שפה לא סוטה מוס נוס נוס כל דבר זה הזמן להאמין, חאן אל-וואט מחכים ושמוהם אל העלמין, לא פוליטיקה של שמאל או מרכז או ימין, יעני אונסוריה אאוט, אכבר חפלה וואלה אין, ואיזה אנא בחכי דוהרי, הכל פה קצת עקום, חופתא רוחפי שערי וואלה מפהמתלים תחכו, מיליון שאלות, אבל הקרב אבוד מזמן, יאנו אינטו מה, ביטקום תחכו עברי כמאן, רציתי לשאול איך משהו ישתנה בעתיד, יזעקו וואחד מן רירו בדואל חייף, רציתי לשאול מתי פולה אסימון שכל תלמיד, שחקי מוש בסוואקף וואקף מעבר לדיר בלאק הוא אקטר מן כיף חלקי נוביף המלמסחה למביס מחלי על החלטק אנחנו רחוקים זה לא יהיה פשוט אה? לא יודעים מה זה הודו אבל תודו יודעים שרמנוס נכון שלפעמים טיפה דחוס אם צפוף לך אתה מוזמן לטוס כי אם במקום ברלין בחרנו באלקוס בוא נחליף את תפתחי שוב רק באלקוס נכון שלפעמים טיפה דחוס שנאה ופחד מגבירים את המנחוס אבל אם נבין נראה עד לא הכל ערוץ השפה של השכן היא רק שפה לא סוד תמוס נוס 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 נ
Companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim. Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.